My name is Mark, and I'm one of the pastors here. It's my joy and privilege to celebrate this Sunday with you. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and get us started in, in the Word of God. We'll be in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. If you have a Bible or turn on your phone, and the warm glow of God's Word can shine on your face. 1 Corinthians 15, I'll pick it up in verse 1. I'll read it and then pray for our time. I ask you to listen carefully. This is God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised, and on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. I'll drop down to verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Amen? Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but what you just read never will. Let me pray for us. Lord, I, I thank you in the name of your Son and the power of your Spirit right now that we get to come here and have a celebration. One that gives us hope, not just now, but forever and ever and ever, Lord. Thank you for conquering our greatest enemies of sin and death and self and delivering us from those things into everlasting life. Lord, I pray that you would help us to center and focus on you this morning. Uh, invite people into your family through the gospel. We ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, the Apostle Paul reminds us that this morning is the foundation of everything we say we believe as followers of Jesus. Before there was ever a Bible by hundreds of years, and before there, there was ever uh, anyone called a Christian, and before there was any semblance of anything that we might call a church, there was a story. An event took place. There were witnesses. And if those witnesses were here today, they would say to you and I, we were there you, you, just, you just hear about it and you read about it and that's good and that's important and right and necessary, but we were there. I can imagine Andrew saying, I was there that morning when Jesus woke us up. Uh, we were up north in Galilee and, and he said to us, well, I want to uh, go down to Jerusalem and have the Passover with you guys. And I looked over at Nathaniel, and we made that knowing look because we were thinking, man, I don't know, last time you were down in Jerusalem, it didn't go so well for you, Jesus. But he was our rabbi, and so we followed him, and, and that's, you know, we're, we're used to walking everywhere, but it's 100 miles by your standard. So it took some time. And James would tell you, I remember we, we got close to Jerusalem, the holy city, and, and you could already tell the crowds were coming in. But uh, as we were outside of that town of, of Bethany, Jesus came to me. I was there. He said, I want you to go into Bethany and I need you to find a, a donkey. I have need of a donkey. And we're like, that's weird, but okay. Uh, well, we'll do that. Where are we going to get this donkey? Just go in the town. You'll see it and, and bring it. 
And so we did. I, I took Nathaniel with me and uh, we went through the city. We didn't know where we were going. We were just walking. We're not from there. We're from up north, the country. But there was a donkey tied to the post and we thought this must be the one. So we began to untie him and the owners came out and we just said the Lord has need of it. And they said, go ahead. And we're like, okay. And so we took it. We didn't know what the donkey was for until the next day. And uh, Bartholomew would tell you that uh, he remembers the next day as they got up and all the excitement of going into the holy city. Uh, it was going to be amazing as they made their way into the city. First there was dozens, then hundreds, then thousands. And it seemed like as we got close to the city wall of Jerusalem, like the whole city had come out to greet us. It was amazing. And they started singing our praise. Well, Jesus is praised, but we, we felt part of it. And they were singing, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. And we, were, we all said, looked at each other with smiles. Yes, it's happening. Everything we've been waiting for, everything we've been dreaming, it's happening and it's happening in Passover. This is going to be amazing. And Simon, Simon the Zealot would tell you, then it took a political turn. And when it took a political turn, I was there. I, I I was here for it because I had been praying for this moment. I had been living for this moment. My community had been waiting for the day when God would send his king to vanquish all our enemies. And I thought, now we got the crowd. We're going to ride this energy all the way into Passover. And by the end of Passover, King Jesus is going to be established. It's going to be the most amazing thing ever. And James would tell you, I was there leading that little donkey along when Jesus, when they started talking about the king of Israel, Jesus came to me and said, okay, it's time. And, and he took the reins of that, that tiny little ridiculous baby donkey and, and, and Jesus like stepped over him and got on this little donkey. And, and you would think if he's a coming king, he would come on a white horse, but the donkey apparently was it. And, uh, but it didn't squash the, the fervor of the crowd. Like they just, it made him go even more nuts. They started laying down their coats in front of the donkey and the donkey is walking on it. And eventually we got into to the city. And Salome, who was there, she would say, I, I remember where I was when, when we got into the city and I was with Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus and Mary, the mother of James and so many Marys. And uh, I was with Joanna and uh, Susanna, like all, we, we were gathered and the disciples were gathered and they were kind of packed in because the whole city was packed. And, and Jesus said, I want to go to the temple. And, and we're like, Jesus, it's so crowded. Like, it's going to take us for everyone wants a piece of it. No, we want to go to the temple. And Andrew would tell you, uh, I was there. We were working our way through uh, the crowd. It took a while. It took a couple hours. But eventually we got to the southern steps and looked up at at the massive temple, the the representative place of of God's presence on earth. And and it it was surreal. And we, we, we went up those steps and, and Jesus found a shaded spot along the wall and put his back on it and he began to teach. And Nathaniel will tell you, we heard Jesus teach for three and a half years, but there was something different about his teaching that day. It was next level. He was just, like, he, if he had a mic, he dropped the mic in your terms. But uh, this is what, what he was doing and, 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 we were, and he, he, teach, he taught all day. And eventually, uh, we were done. We made our way out of the crowd, out of the city, and it was getting late. And Jesus led us down uh, past the, the city gate and into an olive grove. And he said, we're going to camp here. We were used to camping. And so we laid out our stuff and, and laid down. Jude would tell you that he remembers that morning. When Jesus woke him up and said, it was still dark out. That's why he remembers it because normally they got up with the sun, but it was before the sunrise. And Jesus said, come on, I want to go into the city. And we were all like, oh, 
we're country people. We don't, we don't like the city, Jesus, but okay, we'll go. Can we get breakfast first? He's like, no, you can't get breakfast. We're, we're going in. And so we got up and we, we made it. And the crowd was certainly not there yet because it was still dark. But I remember coming up that temple stairs again and looking to the east and, and seeing the most beautiful sunrise you ever saw. And Jesus went back to his place along the wall and he began to teach. And by lunchtime, man, the crowd was just pressing in, pressing in. And, and Jesus did the same thing the next day. And the next day, by day four, the crowd had already knew the, the pattern. And so before sunrise, it seemed like the whole city was there waiting for Jesus to come in. And, and we had the crowd. But, but there was others. There was the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the Sadducees. And, and they, would, they were questioning Jesus all that day. They were trying to get gotcha questions on Jesus, you know? Those like, put him in a spot, impossible uh, to answer kind of questions. Like, can God make a rock big enough that he can't carry kind of questions. But, but they would ask Jesus these questions, and with a smile on his face, he would answer every one of them perfectly. He would just shut their mouth. And we could tell that they were getting angrier and angrier and angrier. Uh, we, we knew that we didn't have the leadership, but we had the crowd Hey, we thought this is going to be awesome. Next day, we were going to have our Passover. And, and that's when Jesus said, I, I want to have Passover with you guys in the holy city. And, and Salome, who's the organized one, she, she would tell you, I was there. When Jesus said he wanted to have Passover in the city, I was like, Jesus, like you got to have a reservation two years out. Like, and there's so many of you. There's 13 of you. Like You can't just, you can't just pull this thing. He's like, no, I, I got it. I'll take care of it. I'll prepare it. And we're like, okay. But to have Passover, Passover in the holy city, then that was like the, the epitome of, of, of it, right? And so that day was a little bit calmer because we waited outside the city. And, and eventually as, as the sun was setting, we made our way back in the city. And, and none of us knew anything about the city or where to go, but we were just following Jesus. And, and Jesus was taking us down this back alley and that back alley, we, down and to the left and down and to the right. Finally, we came to this kind of nondescript two-story house and we went in and the owners greeted us and said, come on up. And Peter would tell you, I was there. When we got in the room, we were amazed. The whole Passover meal on this little table that everyone reclines at was there. And we were trying to figure out where would Jesus sit. And I, I began to argue with John. I was like, I'm, if Jesus is here, I'm going to sit there. You could sit over there. And, and the other disciples began to hear us arguing. And, and they, they jumped in. They're like, no, no, no. We're going to. And, and, and we were all jockeying for position. And, and it got very loud when you have 12 guys, full-grown men in a, in a small room. It got so loud. You could barely hear each other think. But, but then all of a sudden we turned and we saw Jesus. And he had taken off his outer cloak. And he went and got a, a bowl of water. And he took on the form of a servant. The slave job. He, he got down on his hands and knees. And he instructed us all to get down. And we were like, oh no. We couldn't make eye contact with each other. We were just so ashamed. Here we were trying to figure out who's the greatest. And the greatest came and got on his hands and knees and started washing our feet. And Peter would tell you, I was there. When he came to me, I said, no, Lord, not, you can't wash my feet. That's, it's too low for you. And, and he looked up at me and he said, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Well, that took about a half hour. All we heard was the, the swishing of water and it, it, it ended any conversation we ever had again about who was the greatest. He got up and he said, as I've done for you, I've given you an example that you might do for one another. Jesus was calling us to get so low that it was as if we were one another's slaves serving each other. 
We could tell that something was different about this night. Philip would tell you, as the night went on, uh, there's, there's certain things that you do at a Passover meal. And we've, we've done it since we were kids. And to be doing it in the city at this time, waiting for Jesus to take his rightful kingship, uh, he was going through the, all the, the, the structure. But, but then I remember looking over at Nathaniel and saying, did, did Jesus say what I thought he said? Something about his bread and the body. And I, I, we, we didn't know what that meant. Broken bread is his body eating his flesh. And, and then another point in the, in the meal later on, he took a cup and, and he went off script again and he said something about a new covenant and, and a blood and forgiveness of sins. We, we didn't know. We were, we were just so excited. We, we, we were wondering. And Simon the Zealot would tell you, I, I was waiting. I mean, it, it had been a good week and the crowd was behind us, but I was waiting. I was, I was thinking, we need to come up with a plan, Jesus. Like, it's Passover Eve. Like, we, we need a plan. And Jesus stood up. I said, here it is. I was ready for it. And he didn't say, I have a new plan. He said, I have a new command. That you love one another just as I have loved you. And Matthew, Matthew would tell you, when I heard Jesus say that you love one another just as I have loved you, my mind went back to the three years ago when I was sitting at my tax collector booth I was a traitor to my family, to my nation. Nobody liked me. All I had was money, and that's it in my life. And I sat there, and I remember this rabbi walk up to me with a smile on his face, and he said to me, Matthew. I I, I was called a lot of names. I was never called by my name until this guy came. And he said, follow me. And he invited me into this community, this fellowship of love. He said, follow me. No one ever said that to me. I felt like people were following me to kind of take me out. But, but when Jesus said, follow me and, and had loved me, a tax collector, I knew that when he said, now, love one another as, as I have loved you, he was talking about a whole new level of love, radical love. John would tell you, I was there. I was, I was leaning on my side and Jesus was there. And then all of a sudden, Judas came up and, and had a conversation with Jesus and I was trying to lean in and, and, and hear what he was saying, <clears throat> but I couldn't quite catch it. But then Judas got up and he just left. And we kind of looked at it, but I mean, Judas is a weird dude anyway, so we just let him go. But I looked over at Jesus and he seemed disturbed. He seemed kind of distracted. And Thaddeus would tell you, I, I was there. After wrapping up the meal, he, we, we got up and said, okay, we're, we're going to go. And we went downstairs and we, we thanked our guests and we, we went a different way through the city. We, 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 we didn't know where we were going, but again, we were following Jesus and we went out this gate that we'd never been to before and, and there was this little stream and, and James would tell you, uh, I was there and I thought it was just a, a stream of water, but as we got closer, I, I recognized and, and honestly, to my horror, I, I realized it's a, it was a stream of blood from the thousands and thousands of lambs that were being sacrificed in the temple for Passover Eve. It had created a stream coming down the side of the mountain and we had to lift our, our, our cloaks and, and hop over that stream of blood. And then Jesus led us into this garden and, and it looked kind of like a rough garden and uh, there's parts that were manicured and parts that were wild. And, and Andrew would tell you, I was there when Jesus said, you guys stay here and, and pray. And when he said, you guys stay pr- here and pray, we all just inwardly groaned. Jesus, we prayed. 
I mean, we've been praying, we've been teaching, like we're tired. Like we were up before sunrise, it's sunset a while ago. Yeah, we'll pray, Jesus. And to our shame, none of us prayed. We all fell asleep. And Nathaniel will tell you, I, I remember the sound that woke me up. It, it, it took me back to my childhood. I, I recognized the sound. And Simon the zealot would tell you, I, I remember it as well. It, it was a sound that I, I knew very well. It was the sound of the army. Metal on metal clanking together. And we all kind of got up and we saw torches coming up the side of the mountain, coming into the garden. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what was going on. Was, was this a good thing or a bad thing? Was, was this part of, part of the movement? Was Jesus raising up the army? Now we didn't know. And as they got closer, at first we were relieved. Oh, it's Judas. Judas is with them. And Thaddeus would tell you, Judas went up to Jesus and they exchanged some words and Judas kissed Jesus. And though we were there, we would have preferred to be any place else on earth in that moment. Our entire world was turned upside down when Judas kissed Jesus and the soldiers leapt on Jesus. When they leapt on Jesus, we all scattered, every one of us. We thought they were rounding us all up. And so I don't even know where the other guys went, but I, I went and Peter would tell you it was a cold night. And, and after running away and, and hiding, I, I, I sat there for a while and I thought, no, I, I've got to be with Jesus. I told him I would never, ever deny him. And so I, I put on my cloak, put on my hood. I made my way back and I was just looking to go to uh, where, wherever they might keep him. And, and I was trying to get intel and, and I was trying to preserve myself. And a few times that night, people asked me, recognized me, and they, they said, aren't you one of his disciples? And I told them, I, I, don't, I don't know Jesus. I'll never forget that. Mary Magdalene would tell you I was there. It was a long night, an early morning. I was with Salome and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and Mary the mother of Jesus, and we were, we were just trying to figure out just desperately, where, where is Jesus? Where have they taken him? And then Pilate came out. Pilate came out, the ruler of the Romans, and, and, and he said, I have Jesus, and I, I can't find anything that he's guilty of. And we felt relief in that moment. Like, yeah, of course you can. All he's talked about is a message of love and care for one another. And so Pilate said, I'll tell you what, at this time of the Passover, we have this tradition. I, I released one of, our, one of your prisoners, and so I can release, Jew, I can release Jesus or whoever. So who would you like? And, and we thought, of course you're going to say Jesus, because that's what the crowd has been, been, been all about all week. But then Joanna would tell you, I was there when I heard them not say Jesus' name. They said, Barabbas. And I looked at the other women and said, Barabbas. We, we didn't know where the disciples were. They were all gone. But when they said Barabbas, like, no, not Barabbas. Barabbas is actually guilty of all the things you're saying Jesus is guilty of. Barabbas is a murderer. Not Barabbas, no. And John would tell you, I was there. I was hiding among the crowd. I don't know where any of the other disciples were. But, but I was there when Pilate said, well, okay, we'll punish Jesus. And when he said, oh, we'll punish Jesus... I looked over and I heard just the most blood-curling screech I've ever heard. It was Jesus' mother, because we all knew what was going to happen. 
I went over to her. I put my arms around her because she was like a mother to me. And I said to her, Mary, you should get out of here. She said, no, I want to be here. I want to be here. And they led Jesus off. And, and it wasn't long before we heard the crack of the whip. And we knew every, with every one of those cracks. It was like a crack was landing on our skin. We could not imagine what he was going through. And we waited and we waited and we waited and we cried and we cried and we cried. And Andrew would tell you, I, I was in the crowd at a distance. But, but as, they brought, as Pilate brought Jesus out, if I didn't already know him, I would not have recognized him. His eye was swollen. It looked like it was barely in place. His face was drenched in his own blood. He was supported on either side by Roman guards. They had put a purple robe on him and they had taken some crowns of thorns and they had pushed it down on his head. He looked like he was barely alive. Pilate came out and he said, Behold, your king. And this just, I don't know why he would say such a thing. Because this just made the crowd angrier and angrier and angrier. Again, he tried to, he, he thought that would be it. That this would be the, the, a punishment enough. He was about to release Jesus. And, and so he said, What would you have me do with Jesus? And the crowd, the crowd said, Crucify him. Crucify him. And our world was finished in that moment. They, they led him away. They, they put a heavy wooden beam on his back and, and they led him away outside. And, and Mary would tell you, Mary Magdalene, who had been give, forgiven so much by Jesus, had been loved so well by Jesus. She said, I walked with Salome and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary, the mother of James, and we, we followed out out of the city, along the wall, pretty close, up on the side of the hill, this place called Golgotha, and, and we walked to the cross. And they nailed Jesus to the cross. Now, in your movies, in your stories, you might have pictured Jesus up on a hill, kind of isolated and, and far away, but no, you, you could look him in the eye as he hung on the cross. And we got as close as we could. And we were just weeping and weeping and weeping. And he was in agony. And he was, he, he was mumbling things and saying things. And, and, and I do remember, it was almost a whisper. I remember him turning to one of the, the, the other criminals on the cross and saying, I, I forgive you. And, and even to the Roman soldiers that were literally torturing him and putting him to death, he was forgiving them. As if anyone that had anything to do with this travesty, he, he, was, he was trying to forgive in that moment. And, and John would tell you, I was there as well. None of the other disciples were. But because Mary, the mother of Jesus, was like a mother to me, I wanted to be there for her. And I remember Jesus' last words from the cross. As if all his strength came into one last cry, and with a loud voice he cried out, It is finished! And he bowed his head, and he died. And then I saw the Roman soldier go up to him, and with his long spear he took it and he put it into Jesus' side, and Jesus' body didn't even flinch, but it felt like it was going into my heart. And I saw the blood and the water Go down the spear shaft. And Mary Magdalene would tell you, we, we were there when the unthinkable happened. Nicodemus, who's one of the Pharisees, we thought he was part responsible for this. And Joseph of Arimathea, they came up and exchanged some words with the Roman guard. And, 
And, and they came up to Jesus and, and very carefully and very reveren- reverentially, they took Jesus' body off of the cross. We thought his body was going to just experience the ultimate disgrace. We thought they were going to put it in the, the garbage heap so that the animals would, would eat it. But they took the body down, and with his, their servants, they began to wrap it. And after the first wrapping, they, they began to walk him out around the wall, down a hill, into this beautiful, beautiful, the most beautiful garden you've ever seen. You could tell someone, wh- whoever owned and maintained this garden had a lot of money. And, 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 and we, we followed at a distance, and the disciples left. But the women, we, we, all, we all followed. And we just sat down on the side of the hill. We saw that there was an unused, brand new tomb in the middle of this garden. And uh, they continued to wrap his body and embalm him and, and just very lovingly treat his body as it should and deserve to be treated. And they put him in the tomb. And, the, and there was a perfectly carved out, giant, massive stone just perfectly made for this. And, and Joseph, after they put the tomb, Joseph told his servants, release the catch. And the, the, the stone just rolled right into place. And the disciples and the women, they would all say, we were there. We were there and we could tell you the exact moment when we realized it's over. It's over. Either Jesus deceived us all or he was deceived about himself because for Jesus, it was all about Jesus and what he was going to do. And, and it, this is impossible for God's Messiah to be manhandled by Gentiles. Our Bible even tells us that anyone who is hung on a tree is cursed of God. So it was a waste. Three and a half years wasted of our lives. That's what the disciples would tell you and me. And the longest Sabbath of their life You've got to understand, everything happened so quickly. It was just a few hours before where Jesus was celebrating Passover, Passover in the city. And then he was betrayed and tortured and murdered and wrapped and laid in a tomb. Everything happened so quickly. And so Mary Magdalene would tell you, I was just in my head crying, crying, crying. And I got up early that first day of the week. So early, it was still dark outside, and I gathered some of the other women, and, and we took some more material. We wanted to just honor Jesus' body and, and rewrap it, rebalm him. We didn't know how we were going to move the stone. Honestly, we weren't thinking straight. We came around the turn, got, went up over the hill, and, and Mary Magdalene would tell you, when I went over the hill and looked down at the tomb, the stone wasn't just rolled back to be open. It was totally discarded, and my heart dropped. Oh no, what is this ultimate last disgrace to my Lord that they would do this? Well, John would tell you I was there. In fact, it was just me and Peter. We were in the city. We were hiding out because we thought, we thought the authorities were going to find us at any moment and take us out. It was, it was early in the morning. The sun hadn't even risen yet. And, and we heard someone pounding up the steps. And we thought, oh no, this is it. We're done. What happened to Jesus is about to happen to us. And there was pounding on the door. And we were terrified. But then we heard a woman crying. And so John would tell you, I was there. I went to the door. And it's Mary Magdalene. And she was delirious. And she said, they have taken my Lord. And I don't know where they've laid him. They've taken my Lord. And I don't know where they've laid him. And I just took her in. And I thought, I'm going to sit her down and help calm her down. Because I figure out what's going on. But I looked over and Peter was out the door and I knew what Peter was capable of and so I was out the door and I remember running and turning and running and going and I remember the exact spot at the city gate where I passed Peter 
Just so you, you know, I'm better, I'm faster, I'm younger, all those things. And I, I passed Peter and I ran, I came up around the wall and over the hill and, and I looked down and sure enough, I could see as I was running to the tomb that it was empty and, and I got there and I was afraid. I just, I just stopped at the opening of the tomb and, and, and a few minutes later, big old Peter comes in huffing and puffing and he, he comes into the tomb and he goes in right, right away and I followed him and in that moment, I, I, I just said, something's not right. This is not a crime scene. All the valuable things, the, the linen and the, the embalming, the, all the myrrh and all those things, that's still here like a locust shell, but empty on the bench. And it looked like someone had taken the head covering off and, and very carefully and meticulously folded it and set it aside. And in that moment, it all connected for me. In that moment, I believed. I knew that somehow, some way, Jesus was alive. I, I didn't know the details. I didn't know the implications. I didn't know any of that. And I, as we were walking back, Peter wasn't so sure. And I was like, no, I think, do, do you remember? He, he talked about this quite a bit, actually. Uh, but uh, uh, he's alive. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Mary Magdalene will tell you. I was there. Peter and John took off and I was just crying, crying. I'm like, I gotta figure this out. I gotta figure this out. And I made my way very slowly by myself back to the garden, back to the tomb. And when then there I was, I was just looking for answers. And there was a gardener over there, he was doing something, and and I was just crying, crying, crying. And I, and I said to him, if if you know what has happened in the body, just tell me. I just wanna, I just wanna, I just wanna find the body and care for the body. And then I heard a word, a word that I had heard many, many times before. I heard my name, Mary. And I looked up, and it wasn't the gardener, it was Jesus. And I went and I held him, I was like, Rabboni, you're alive. And we laughed and we cried. And Jesus was like, don't hold me so tight. I, gotta, I still have to go to the Father. And, and I didn't want to let him go. But he was alive. And I knew in that moment my whole life had changed forever and ever and ever. And, and Peter would tell you, we, 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 we needed to get the disciples back together. So we were just, they were all scattered. We didn't know where they were hiding, but uh, it took all day, actually. By afternoon, we, we had rounded up most of them. We, didn't, we, didn't, we couldn't find Thomas, but, and of course, Judas wasn't there, but we rounded up most of them. And there was already, at this point, some, some sightings, so some stories that maybe Jesus was actually alive. We couldn't, we couldn't even believe it. And at one point, Mary had come back, and she was crying again, but this time, tears of joy. And she was adamant, I have seen the Lord and he is alive. And we're like, you're crazy. <laughs> like, this, you've, broke, you've been broken because of, of your grief. They're, they're, that's not possible. John thought it was possible, but the rest of us were like, ah. We locked the door because, again, we were afraid. And Thaddeus will tell you, I remember the moment I, I looked over and Jesus was standing there. And I'm not just talking about like his ghost. No, no, no. He was more alive than ever. And just just to prove that he wasn't a ghost, he took some fish and ate it. And we all just gave him the biggest bro hugs ever in that moment. And he had the, the nail scars in his hands and the wound in his side, but he looked more alive than ever. He wasn't just trying to survive a near-death experience. He was alive, alive. There was a brightness to his eyes and his smile. And he said, peace be with you. And, and we all believed. And we knew life would never be the same in that moment. And Thomas would tell you, I wasn't there. 
I, I was hiding out in Bethany. But word came to me that some of my brothers believed that Jesus was alive. I thought, they're crazy. They're crazy. And so I, I, I got up the courage and, and I made my way in the city. I found Philip and he led me to Nathaniel. And we went down this alley and that alley. I didn't know where we were going. Eventually we found ourselves. And I was like, oh, this is the room we had Passover in. Yeah, we've been here before. And the guys were talking, 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 talking. And, and the women were like, no, we've seen him too. And, and I'm like, guys, guys, listen, I get it. We all want him to be alive. But that's not possible. We all know that that doesn't happen. Well, we all know that there is a resurrection someday coming way in the future at the very end, but this is not what happens. One person comes, like that's impossible. Unless I see the, the scars in his hands and the wound in his side and I put my fingers in there, I cannot believe. And they're like, no, you, you, you gotta believe. Well, a day went by, another day, actually eight days went by and we, we, we had gathered again in that room and again, they're, they're, they're talking, there's more rumors, more stories, but again, uh, I was like, you guys are crazy, but in that moment, I remember looking over and there was Jesus. And I remember what he said. He said, peace be with you. And then he turned to me, Thomas, and he said, Thomas, look at the nail scars in my hands. Look at the wound in my side. Put your finger here. Stop disbelieving and believe. And in that moment, I changed. I believe. And I said, my Lord and my God. And I got a hug from resurrected Jesus. He told us, I want you to go on ahead to Galilee and wait for me there, which didn't make any sense. One, because that's a long walk. That's 100 miles. Um, and two, all the action was happening in Jerusalem. But we went there and uh, we waited a few days. And Peter would tell you, after a few days, I, I was just anxious. I didn't know what to do. I, I, I gathered some of the guys. I said, hey, guys, let's do what we know how to do. Let's fish. My, my dad's boats are still here. Let's go, let's go fishing tonight. So seven of us got in that boat, and we were out on the water, and we didn't catch any fish all night, all night, all night. As the sun began to rise, we, we, looked, up, we looked up, and we realized where we were at. We were at the exact spot where three years earlier, Jesus had come and says, I want to make you fishers of men follow me. And we did because that morning, we remember, he, he, he filled our whole boat with fish. And if he can do that with that, the fish, what can he do with men? And, and so we realized that was good. And, and uh, Nathaniel would tell you, I looked over and I saw, I saw someone look like they were collecting firewood. And so we began to row closer and closer and Philip would tell you, I, I remember the moment I was there when John exclaimed, it's the Lord. Hey, because when John said, it's the Lord, I looked over at Peter and the last I saw of Peter was his feet going into the water and he was swimming to shore. 15 minutes later, we're, we're having breakfast with Jesus. You just, you can't imagine what it's like to have breakfast with resurrected Jesus. But we were there. And, and last but not least, Matthew. Matthew would tell you, I was there. In fact, we were all there. The last time Jesus came and showed up in our presence. We were on the side of this hill and the resurrected Jesus showed up and, and it, it was always a trip when Jesus just showed up. But he was there in the flesh and he said, guys, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We're like, yeah, because you're the Lord. You conquered death, sin, and the grave. Of course all authority has been given to you, Lord, of course. And, and then he said the craziest thing, therefore I want you guys who were there to be the stewards of this story. 
And I want you to go not just to Jerusalem, but I do want you to go there. And not just to Judea and Samaria. I want you to go there as well. But I want you guys who are there to go to the ends of the earth. Every people, every generation. I want you to take this message that will change everything to the ends of the earth. We didn't know all that that meant. We just knew that our life had all the meaning and all the purpose. Every day of our lives, we told this story over and over and over again. And Jesus said at, at the very end, he said, and surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. We didn't know what that meant until a few weeks later. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live in our lives. And Matthew would tell you if he was here, he would say, I was there, but here's the thing. You too can partake in this story. You too can, in a sense, be there by the presence of his spirit. Jesus will change everything. His life, death, burial, and resurrection will affect everything. It it will fill your life with the abundant life that he promised. It will fill your life with the meaning and purpose that you were designed for. And they would tell you, it's not going to make your life any easier. (laughs) No, it might make your life harder. But in light of eternity, it will be worth it. It'll be worth it. And Matthew would tell you and me to trust him. And he'll change everything. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, again, thank you for this day. Thank you that you showed up and changed history and that they were there. And by faith, we can apprehend the same truth in our own lives. Lord, I pray if anyone here has not yet tasted and received that you are good, that your life is offered to them, that in faith right now, that they would be changed forever by trusting you, turning from self and turning to you. Lord, I pray for the rest of us that have, know this story and know the truth of it, that today would be a recentering event in our lives, that we would reorganize our lives around the most important truth in the history of the world, your life, death, burial, and resurrection. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.